Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about why modifying the word unique annoys some people, and why it actually isn't unique at all, about whether you should capitalize the word's Delta variant when referring to the coronavirus variant that's dominant in most of the world right now, and about whether a Twinkie qualifies as a good dessert. The word unique means one of a kind, but the way people use it has been shifting. For example, here are some real-life sentences from British and American speakers. She is completely unique. That comes from a video describing the then-star of the Royal Ballet in London. Or it needs to be more unique than that. Listen for that in the film Inception. Or even Most Uniquely, which comes from a video about Andy bags, sort of a cross between a purse and a tote bag. In all three examples, the word unique has been modified, either by an intensifier adverb, completely, as in completely unique, or by a comparative or superlative, more and most, as in more unique and most unique. And some people complain that modifying the word unique like this is technically not logical. How can something be more unique than something else? Isn't it the case that something is either unique or not? Well, yes, and yet, we all know that the three cases you just heard aren't mistakes. They aren't made in error by young children just starting to use the word, or by adult language learners. Instead, it's a use that suggests the real meaning of the word is expanding to also include uncommon or rare. When words take on additional meanings like this, it's sometimes called lexical broadening. Another example is how, for many people in the southern United States, Coke has expanded to mean any soda. Time for a fun area of beginner semantics, which is the study of what words mean. Using an adverb to boost the meaning of an adjective is often called intensification in linguistics. Some examples of intensifiers are very, really, and incredibly. In other words, when we say someone is very tall or that a sunset is incredibly beautiful, we mean more than merely tall and more than just somewhat beautiful. Do you notice anything about the adjectives tall and beautiful? They're all gradable. Some can be measured, like height, and some can't, like beauty, which is subjective. But either way, they all have degrees of gradation, which is what allows them to be intensified. To understand this, think of gradable antonyms, pairs of words with opposite meanings, like tall and short, good and bad, pretty and ugly, and big and small. 
Part of what makes these gradable is that they depend on the context of the situation. For example, a good dessert could be a Twinkie for some people, while to others, a Twinkie would be a very bad dessert compared to a warm chocolate lava cake with vanilla ice cream. And no matter how persistently advertising tries to convince you otherwise, beauty is subjective. In other words, one person can be gorgeous to some beholders, and the very same person could be viewed as not pretty at all to someone else in the same moment. And a small elephant is a lot bigger than a big bug. Now compare gradable antonyms to complementary antonyms. These antonyms complement each other. Two examples are awake and asleep, and present and absent. If someone is absent, they can't be present in the same context. And even when people sleepwalk, they're not awake. Both properties can't be true at the same time, unlike pretty and ugly. We call these absolute adjectives and define them as being mutually exclusive in any single context. A final way they're different from gradable adjectives is that they don't work well with comparatives. For example, we can say someone is smaller. In other words, a gradable adjective can be comparative. But it doesn't make much sense to say someone is more absent. In other words, an absolute adjective doesn't work well as a comparative. At this point, it should make sense that the one of a kind meaning of unique makes it an absolute. It's arguably even more absolute than some other absolutes like awake. Normally, it's strange to use intensifiers to modify absolute adjectives. For example, this is an extremely one bedroom apartment, or humans are really bipedal, sound peculiar. However, there is variability in how we can combine adverbs and adjectives, meaning that some intensifiers work with gradable adjectives better than others. So, you can find other exceptions to these intuitive rules. For example, we technically can use intensifiers to modify absolute adjectives in some cases, like very awake or so absent. But that use is different from modifying gradable adjectives like very tall or so short. Very awake is understood to be metaphorical. Although you can be in a deep sleep or be sleeping lightly, you're still asleep. There isn't really a way to be more asleep or less asleep, so intensifying awake by saying you are very awake takes on the meaning of alert or energized. Similarly, so absent sounds like the speaker may be intending to express humor or an opinion about the absent person. In some ways, using unique in a gradable way is an example of an exception to these adverb adjective combo rules. Like the metaphorical meaning of very awake, intensifying unique can give it the uncommon definition flavor. And the fact that we frequently modify adjectives like awake to mean alert lends some credence to modifying unique to mean uncommon. And using unique in this way isn't new. Back in 2006, Ingla Stephenson found that this traditional view of absolute adjectives as non gradable and not being able to take degree modifiers, quote, conflicts with the actual usage of unique, unquote. That study showed that all uses of unique increased in British English between 1996 and 2005 by 74%. 
It also found that using unique with a comparative, like more unique, or a degree modifier, like extremely unique, was common and remained constant over time. More recently, in 2013, a corpus study by Laura Penfeely also found that despite not being a technically acceptable definition, people do often use unique to mean uncommon. Plus, even though many people who have this pet peeve complain that the true meaning of unique is disappearing, Panfili found that, quote, contrary to prescriptivist assumptions, the non-gradable sense of unique is gaining popularity, not losing it, unquote. In other words, people are using unique a lot in the traditional way, too. People are just using unique a lot more in a lot of different ways. Here's one last defense of using unique to mean uncommon. There may be some rules that govern when you can modify unique and when you can't. In contrast to our earlier examples, which use unique with completely, more, and most, imagine a case like, in order to keep your account secure, your password must be unique. We'd be less likely to find an intensifier in a case like this because password uniqueness is more quantifiable. Password generators don't generate pretty unique passwords because any duplication or overlap would create passwords that aren't strong enough. It's also likely that people say things like very unique about something surprising and noticeable like a purple cow, very unique, as opposed to a handmade basket, which is unique but not remarkable enough to make people want to draw attention to its uniqueness. This desire to modify the word unique isn't the only time we've taken a powerful word and used it to get a strong point across and the usage catches on. For example, it sounds normal to say almost never to mean seldom, but that expression isn't really any more logical than very unique. And a pet peeve example is the metaphorical use of literally to add emphasis to something that is obviously figurative, like, my life has become a literal nightmare, or I literally died when she said that. We know it's not exactly correct, but we recognize it, we hear it, and more importantly, we understand it. No one is fooled or confused by these sentences, so language is doing its job. In the past, we've encouraged you to avoid modifying unique if you want to be safe, and that advice still stands, especially in any kind of formal writing, and mostly because we know it's a common pet peeve. But in informal speech, we'll all continue to hear it, and like any language change, we don't have to embrace or even like it, but it's also not worth getting too worked up over in everyday life. The next time someone describes something to you as very unique, instead of grinding your teeth, pat yourself on the back for noticing an example of lexical broadening. That segment was by Sael Graves, who has a Ph.D. in linguistics and is the assistant director of the Institute for Language Education in Transcultural Contexts. She was also a 40 Under 40 Alumni Award honoree at SUNY New Paltz. You can find her at sielgraves.com. Imagine bold, naturally-aged Tillamook cheddar slices melting over a burger, eating thick-cut cheddar shreds straight from the bag. Ah, it's nice to dream about cheese for a bit. Tillamook cheddar, extraordinary dairy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages, and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash grammar today. A listener named Dave asked us to cover whether you should capitalize Delta variant when referring to the virus currently wreaking havoc around the world. He said, quote, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about it. It seems like a timely subject, unquote. It is indeed a timely subject, Dave, and a point of much confusion, too. There's a question about it on the AP Stylebook Q&A section that reads, quote, My newsroom can't seem to settle on whether the Delta in Delta variant should be capitalized. Thoughts? Question mark, unquote. So you definitely aren't the only one wondering. And a survey of news sites shows that people are doing it different ways at different publications. So let's go back to the principles of why we capitalize things in the first place. We capitalize proper nouns. In other words, the proper names of things. We capitalize a name like Dave. But we don't capitalize everything you might think of as a name. And we usually don't capitalize disease names unless they're named for a person. Many disease names are actually descriptive when you look at their origin. For example, measles comes from the Middle English word that means little spot. And mumps is the plural of mump, which hundreds of years ago meant a grimace. So while measles and mumps may seem like names, they're actually descriptions, or at least they started out that way. When the coronavirus first appeared, we wrote about this a bit when explaining why you don't capitalize coronavirus, but you do use all caps for COVID-19, since it's an abbreviation for Coronavirus Disease 2019. I've noticed publications using their own styles for that too, though. For example, AP style is to write out the full COVID-19 with the letters in all caps, but I definitely see COVID in all caps without the 19. For example, it occasionally appears that way in USA Today. I'll give a plug for one of my favorite sources for pandemic news, Stat News. They write at COVID-19 with just the C in COVID capitalized. And then the New York Times and The Spectator have deviated even further and write COVID like a name with just a C at the beginning and without the 19. Getting back to the Delta variant, the AP Stylebook recommends all lowercase, and that's how the Washington Post and USA Today are doing it. But the New York Times and Stat News are capitalizing the word Delta. Going back to the general rule in English that we don't capitalize disease names, I'm sticking with lowercase for Delta variant. But as you can see, not everyone agrees. 
The most important thing for a publication is to pick a way of doing it and be consistent. And that's what all these outlets seem to have done. Thanks for the question, Dave. Finally, I have a family-like story from Daniel. Hi, this is Daniel Kirk, not the children's author and artist, but I admire his work. And I have a family-like story. My younger brother, Tim, is a prolific and, I think, brilliant coiner of words. Because of limited cupboard space, my mom stored pans in the oven when she wasn't using it. At least once, she forgot to take the pans out before preheating the oven. When she opened the oven, the white plastic handle of a pancake turner had melted and was running down the side of the stack of pans. Tim, who was about three years old, said, Happy to you! Happy to you! We didn't know what he meant until we remembered that we'd recently had a birthday cake with white frosting, and he was quoting the Happy Birthday song. The melted plastic really did look a bit like frosting, and we had a new word, happy to you, which in our family can mean frosting, melted plastic, or more commonly, an oven disaster of any kind. Thank you. That's great, Daniel. When my husband and I were first married, he would put things in the oven to dry. And since my family never did that, I once accidentally baked his watch, which he had put in the oven after the watch band got wet. If you want to call with the story of your family, a word your family and only your family uses, you can leave a voicemail at 833-321-4GIRL, and I might play it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find articles that go with each podcast segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Thanks to my audio engineer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis, and our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. That's all. Thanks for listening. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.